Hey folks, welcome to our week three on our journey to Easter. We're over halfway through this Lenten season. Congrats. We hope that you're persevering well and letting God mess with you deeply. I've even got my Celebration Church coffee mug, which helps me to endure well as we go through this. Remember the word Lent actually means spring and carries the idea of of sort of purposefully clearing out uh, all the old underbrush in your in your life in order to to make room for new growth, to make room for God and the spring. That that's why Lent is both painful and hopeful. Tonight we're going to to lean into an idea that I'm hoping that you'll be honest about and uh, sort of do a little bit of a checkup in your heart about, and that's about trusting in God. The faith God gives us is a faith that was designed to change the world. And he invites us into this process of being world changers. There's a text in 1 John 5 that claims, an audacious text, it claims for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our trust or even our faith. One one very important aspect of our role in this world is to trust God to change things. This means um, that we don't have to accept the world as it is. We can transform our surroundings with prayer and with righteous actions. Paul makes this beautiful statement in Romans where he says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The idea is that whatever you face, you don't have to Just take it at face value. I mean, uh, does what you're seeing reflect the fallen world and the sinful world? Or does it reflect the kingdom of God? Do your circumstances reflect the promises of God? I mean, in simple things like money, right? I mean, there's a text, Philippians 4.19. It's such a beautiful, simple text that says, God cares about your stuff. And it says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I mean, if there's anything you see about Jesus, he cares about stuff. He cares about people having bread and food. If your needs are not being met right now, you don't have to accept that. You can begin to pray into it. You begin to say, you can say, Lord, I wouldn't have the courage to talk with you about this. I mean, because it kind of sounds selfish when you talk about stuff like provision. But God, you promised this. You, I'm asking you to give me wisdom. Let me, let me take steps of righteousness that could turn this around in my life financially. Or, or maybe uh, when you run into sickness, you can stop and think, wait a minute, what does God think about this? In Matthew 8, there's a story starting in verse 16. It talks about Jesus and Jesus did this a lot. It said, when evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to Jesus and he drove them out, the spirits out with the word and, and healed all the sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities. He carried our diseases. There's a text in Hebrews 12 that says, or 13 that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means, he, I think that, that, that he wants to be the same as he was then now. I think we should pray against sickness. Just pray simple prayers, inviting Jesus to heal. I, th- I think we should do that 
with not just each other, but with people outside the church. We should just pray for people and, and ask them, can I pray for you? You're going to get one or two responses. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's not that serious or sure. And usually when they say sure, they'll expect you to to pray for them later, but but go ahead and pray for them right there. I mean, I remember sitting in a in at the lake in the Lake of the Ozarks. We've been going there for years, and it was kind of a loud uh, eating place because you know partial bar. You know how it is here in Wisconsin as well, and uh, uh, it was kind of loud. The music was playing, and this guy named Bob. Um, uh, who lived just around the cove from us, and he was telling me about how he was uh, diagnosed with cancer seriously. And um, I said, w- would you be okay if I prayed for you? He said, oh, that would be so wonderful. He was thinking I was going to do it another time. So I reached over, <laughs> music is blaring, put my hands on his hand, and we began to pray. He nods, he puts his head down. And, and I could sense the sweetness of God that was there. Now, he didn't end up getting healed. He ended up dying. Nothing happened physically, but but I'm telling you, something happened in that moment. I don't know exactly what it was. I don't know if he felt just someone caring for him. I don't know if he felt, you know, exactly what went on. But I think that we should always pray for people. We don't have to own what happens. We just have to pray for them. I always urge people that have come to the churches um, that I talk with. I say, look, pray for people as you're out in your walkabout lives. I mean, you know, whether it's a sick situation or a bad situation, if they're going through relational problems, whatever, to just ask them. And then when you put your hand on them or you're on their shoulder or on their hands or whatever, give it just a moment. Sometimes the Spirit of God will kind of move. And, 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 you know, we call it in Pentecostal circles, we would call it the anointing, which just means the upon presence. And sometimes that happens. And I'll often, if I feel that, I'll stop and in the middle of the prayer, peek up at the person and say, you feel that? <laughs> and they'll go, yeah. I say, that's God. And then I'll keep praying. Uh, one of the guys in, in one of the churches I pastored told me about this guy at work that hurt his back and he had come in. He was a, he was a, uh, um, you know, kind of a, a leader in the context or a manager in the context. And this guy came in and hurt his back and, and he asked him, said, would you mind if I pray for you? And the guy said, sure, not knowing whether the guy was a committed Christian or what the story was. And so he put his hand on him and prayed. And then after he got done praying, the guy goes, oh, that's so weird. I feel okay. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, you know? It doesn't always happen. You know, the problem in prayer comes is when we think that we're responsible for the miracle, that we are somehow in control. But we don't use our faith to be in control. Faith isn't being a witch or a warlock. or We're not controlling people or controlling circumstances. Faith is about dependence. We use our faith to bring the one who can change anything to bear. We, we just are simply saying when we pray, come Lord Jesus, we have faith in Jesus. We're not having faith in our faith. There's a really cool text in John 6 when people come to Jesus and they ask him basically, and this is actually from 628. It says, when they came to Jesus, they said, what must we do? to do the works of God, right? How do we, how do we do the works of God or the works that God requires? And Jesus said, the work of God is this. This is right after a miracle had happened. They're asking him this. This is the work of God, Jesus says, to believe in the one whom he has sent. So I, th- I think that what we do when we pray for miracles is just we ask Jesus to be Jesus. And we recognize that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we just ask him to come. I mean, he, he's the one that claimed in Matthew 25, he's most present with people that are 
in trouble, the people that aren't clothed, the people that don't have food, the people that are sick, the people that are in prison, that the people that are on the underside of power, he's there. When people are in trouble, he's always there. When people are in chaos, he's always there. We see that even the very beginning of Genesis, that when the earth was darkness and void was over the surface of the deep, it's basically describing chaos. It said the Holy Spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep. God hovers over people's lives. And so all we have to do is trust God. And when we do, changes often come. But, but not exactly maybe as you'd hoped. I mean, I, I've prayed for lots of things that have changed, you know, whether it was for someone that needed provision or healing or a broken home that was mended. But I've also prayed for lots of things that never changed, at least on the surface. Sick people who died anyway. The healing never came. Um, businesses that that ended up being lost. Marriages that ended up failing. I mean, the truth is, with faith, sometimes you get what you pray for, and sometimes you don't. But we're not called to predict the outcome. We're just called to pray. There's a really interesting story in Second Samuel about David, about a son that he had that got sick. And the, the narrative goes, it says in 2 Samuel 12, it says, After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had uh, born to David, and he became ill. And David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. And the elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground. They're saying, hey, come on. But he refused and would not eat any food with them. And on the seventh day, after all this praying and all this fasting and all this crying, the child died. And David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, we spoke to David, but he would not listen to us. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. And David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves and realized that the child was dead. And he asks them, is the child dead? Yes, they replied, the child is dead. But watch this. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. And then he went into his own house and at their request, they served him food and he ate. And the servants asked him, why are you acting this way? I mean, while the child was alive, you fasted and you wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and you eat. See, these were people that were used to just responding to circumstances and to life. Some of us are just used to that. We're not used to walking by faith, by walking from another perspective, walking in hope, walking governed by prayer and the possibilities of prayer. But David answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and I wept. I thought, who knows, right? The Lord may be gracious to me and the child may live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? He says, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. See, we pray, but, but who knows? I mean, we don't know for sure if the thing will change. We don't know for sure if it will not change. The point is we just pray and we believe. It's not up to us. We're, not, we're just called to trust God, to use our faith and then to leave the rest in God's hands. And, and be sure of this, 
if you use your faith in God to ask him to heal or to fix a situation and that particular situation doesn't get fixed or that particular situation doesn't get healed, that doesn't mean your faith was in vain. It's a beautiful story by a gal named Catherine Marshall who's no longer with us. She went on to be with the Lord, but she's a great author. If you've never read anybody, it's great reading. But she tells a story about this granddaughter that she had had and they, she was very, very ill just born and very ill. The doctors thought she was going to die. And so they gathered all their friends together to come and to pray. And they prayed, I think it was for about 10 days, 24 hours a day, praying, praying, praying. And then the morning, I think it was a sunny morning, um, the little granddaughter died. And Catherine was devastated. And it was a few months where she was just processing that whole thing. Next week, we're going to talk about lament. And she was lamenting the loss but as she began to, to take notes and look back at what had happened, she noticed that even though the, the baby died and they didn't get what they were seeking, there was a whole constellation of other miracles that occurred while that group of people were praying. Uh, a healing of another child on the ward happened. One of the couples that were in the prayer a group uh, had a financial miracle. It was a marriage that ended up being healed. Uh, there was clarity for a foggy future for some people, like a miracle of direction. All that stuff was going on. And yet the very thing they were crying out for didn't change. Why is that? Because I think faith changes things. And if it doesn't change the thing you're after, it doesn't mean it doesn't change things. It's almost like God, there's a text in, in a couple of places, one of them in Revelation that talks about prayer being like God carrying it in a vial, which is to say he could use it wherever he wants to, right? This faith, this trust. Faith is, um, is the thing that changes things. It's a simple faithfulness to God, to his promise. And we trust no matter what, for however long, irrespective of the outcomes. Sacred text says that the righteous person lives by faith. It's just what we do. Habakkuk, which is the first biblical writer, it's just a real short book. You ought to read it in case he asks you about it when you go to heaven. But the, he's, he was the first one that said, the righteous person should live by faith. And his books finish with these amazing words. This is Habakkuk 3. Watch this. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, so things are a little dark, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. I mean, this is describing a kind of bad deal, not good times. But this is the book that first calls us to live by faith. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my Savior. He was basically saying, listen, I'm in this thing with God, whether or not things go well. Uh, in a sense, he's saying we're holy fools. <laughs> we just are in it. We trust in God. We live by faith, period. So where are you at? Let's take some time and talk about it. And we'll see you next week.